Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's a handicapping Tuesday coming to your Mailbox coming your player device on Wednesday and do all the NFL lines. I'm Scott Pianowski. We will be joined shortly by Frank Schwab, handicapper to the stars, Yahoo Sportsbook Daily All-Star, and just all-around great guy. Uh, before we get to Frank and before we get to all the NFL stuff, I want to remind you that the lines we discussed today are courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Great guys hosting a live fantasy final, by the way, this week. Excited about that. And if you haven't gotten over to BetMGM, set up an account yet, there's a great promo you can take advantage of. Your first bet will be risk-free up to $1,000. If that bet loses, you get your bet amount up to the $1,000 added back to your account in free bets. You must be 21 years of age or older in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Terms do apply. Go to betmgm.com slash yahoo to get started or use the promo code yahoo when making your first deposit. So take advantage of that stuff. Maybe you can make a couple of bucks. Without further ado, my friend Frank Schwab, aloha. What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, a little, little bit of a pesky mood today. We saw, look, every game, every important game of an NFL week becomes like the biggest game of the year. And so that was what the Patriots' bills were on Monday night. We're going to do just a really quick debrief. I know by the time you listen to this, it will be like, you know, a day and a half old, but so what? It was a windy game. It was a Bill Belichick game. You wrote a, a terrific post game. Your gamer, as you would call it, um, nod to Bob Bryan, who kind of invented the the gamer um, industry in, in sports writing, really hit the tone of the game. Belichick's a history buff. And, and I think this is probably part of Bill Belichick that enjoyed winning the game in the unusual manner they did. But some of the postmortems have turned into Patriots brilliant, Patriots tough, Bill's soft, Bill's dumb. That, to me, still felt like a game that came down to one or two plays. And New England made those one or two plays. The Belichick special sauce of bending, not breaking. Uh, both teams had kind of an LOL fumble, which played into things. Buffalo could have won that game with one or two different plays. I, I don't think they have anything to be embarrassed of. Obviously, they're 7-5. and five. They have Tampa this week. They need to mobilize. But in an AFC where, or an NFL, really, where any given Sunday has been the mantra this year, I'm never surprised when anyone loses to anyone. This has been the ultimate just get in the tournament. I mean, yeah, I guess the NFC number seven seed isn't going to be any good. I think anybody who makes the AFC playoffs could represent the conference. So 
just give us a give us a post a, a couple of moments of uh, reflection on the Bills Patriots because I, I've found a lot of the analysis I've come up with has been frustrating to me because I think it's overplayed what it says. Look, there's a close result. It comes down to one or two plays. That doesn't mean it's it's a signature statement on what all these people are worth for the rest of their careers. No, no, of course. I, everything's overdone in the NFL. We know that. But I will say that, look, for all the, you know, hey, the Bills could have won this game if these six plays, any of them went their way. That's true. That, very true. But they didn't make those plays. Matt Breida did fumble. They did have, a, I thought, a terrible play calling sequence both times they got inside the 20 late in the game. That I thought that they didn't have the right uh, game plan, really. I, I mean, I thought the Patriots, for as much as I was sitting there in the third quarter, like, wow, you got to at least try to pass the ball a little bit with Mac. They were right. They ended up being right. They they knew what they had to do to win that game, and I don't think the Bills did. And I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and get on Stephon Diggs for dropping a ball in the end zone. That was I, that that's an impossible catch to make. It, don't don't get on him for that. But I will say there, there's a. I think there is a reason the Patriots won this game. They're uh, their coach was really good. They Their game plan was really good. Their players executed. I think they're just a little bit ahead of the Bills right now. And I think there's something to be said. And I, I get it. We don't want to overreact one game, especially one that, you know, if, if Dawson Knox catches a third down pass in the end zone, they win that game. And we're t- it, it does change a narrative. I get that. But I will say that why are we giving the Bills a pass? We've been talking about this for a while now. And we have to take a step back at some point and just say, I like the Bills. I like their talent. I like some of the things they've done this year. But they're two games over 500. They're one game ahead of the Denver Broncos, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter. This Bills team is disappointing. However you got here, however your record ended up being 7-5, and five, that's who, you know, I, I, I kind of love-hate the Bill Parcells line of, you are what your record says you are. But in the Bills case, you have to take a step back at some point and say, this is a disappointing team for the expectations we had on them. My friend Mark Stopa, who's a, a longtime Bills yeah. fan, he posted the passing stats of all the quarterbacks who have beaten the Bills this year. And, it's, I mean, of course, obviously the, the funny punchline is what Mac Jones did Monday. But, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger didn't do much in that opening day win. Wentz was handing off the Jonathan Taylor all day. The five Buffalo losses have all come because they've been basically buffaloed on the ground. They've been run over yeah. like a stampede. And they need to figure that out. And, and again, it just kind of speaks to where the AFC is at, where – I would still not be surprised if Buffalo fixed things and made a deep run in the playoffs. Not at all. And I wouldn't they, be surprised they if somehow they missed the playoffs yeah. or they were one and done in the playoffs. <laughs> right. But I can say that about the Chiefs. I can say that about the Ravens. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been, you know, throwing up all over himself for about a month now. And the one thing about the Patriots, if they can get the one seed, and then we'll just sneak in a little bit more Patriot talk. They're on by this week. Um, New England's on by. Indianapolis is on by. And uh, the Dolphins, the surging Dolphins, you wrote some great stuff about them and your power rankings are on by. And also Philadelphia. So we can't talk any. If you want the Minshew Hurts fight, Andy Barron's and I had it Monday. Um, so you can go there for that. But if the Patriots get the one seed, the way I still don't like the way the NFL changed things. I, th- I thought they had a perfect playoff format. I don't think they need an extra game. If you mm-hmm. want an extra week of programming, just put a second bye weekend. But now the one seed is so gigantically important. Just the exposure to one fewer game, you, the, the week to rest, you get more preparation time. And I think New England could go to the Super Bowl if they're the one seed. I, I wouldn't feel anywhere near as confident if they need to win three games because I think eventually the lack of a game-breaking receiver is going to really hurt them. But but Belichick, man, is he's he's – Look, we know he's the best coach of his generation, probably the best coach of all time. But you can also add to that the best weather coach. When there's bad weather, it just feels like yeah. Bill Belichick is a half step ahead of everybody. Uh, yeah, and we're getting to the point of like, 
is Belichick the best coach in American sports history? I almost say, I mean, who's better really at this point? Like I, I know Red Auerbach and Connie Mack. I don't even know who you want to throw out there, but John I, Wooden, um, right? John Wooden or Shashevsky or Nick Saban is good friend. I, I don't even know because Belichick has taken this team completely, reinvented it. I, I the the one issue I have with the Patriots in the playoffs is the way they played last night was very. We we knew the game was going to come down to the end. And they they play it's a hard way to live in the NFL when you're just like, we're gonna we're gonna grind this thing out on the ground every single time. We're gonna just hope that you don't execute when you need to. They're gonna can you play that way in the playoffs? And can you do it multiple times? Because we know what New England's like in January. You're not gonna get a, a, a easy game there, weather-wise. Mac Jones is a Jacksonville kid. He played in Alabama. Is it going to be his first playoffs? Rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs, like that's tough to do. Are we really saying that he can take this team to the Super Bowl? I think the Mac Jones factor is huge in this playoffs because at some point it's going to be 15 degrees and he's going to have to make some throws. Can he do it? And maybe uh, he's he's had a heck of a year for sure. But or can Belichick just scheme this thing up where he hides Mac Jones? I I don't know, but I agree with you. With whoever gets a the one seed, uh, even if it, uh, probably not the Titans, but anybody else gets a one seed pretty much any year is an overwhelming favorite. That's why I didn't like, there are two reasons I didn't like the expanded playoffs. One is you're letting in a mediocre team. You let in the Bears last year. Did we really need the Bears in the playoffs last year? No, we did not. Do we really need the Washington football team in the playoffs this year? The Vikings? No, we do not. The other thing that I hated about it was you give way too much an edge to the number one seed. And we're going to see that year after year where whoever gets the number one seed is going to have a much, much, much easier path to the Super Bowl. And yeah, the if New England gets that, could they make it? They sure could. I mean, there's there's no reason, especially when you have the greatest coach of all time. I guess if you want some optimism to try to tackle down the Patriots as a potential number one seed, remember, they do have a losing record at home. So maybe some of the Foxborough mystique or just the home field advantage. We've been talking about that a lot this year, but this home field advantage has never been as um, almost negligible as it is this season. Let's jump into the teams that are in play in week 14. We'll start with the Island games and then we'll meander through the rest of the Sunday games. Thursday, the Steelers somehow Mike Tomlin special. They beat Baltimore last week. They traveled to Minnesota. Sorry, Brandon Velasquez. I know the Vikings exist just to crush your soul. They somehow found a way to, to turn St. Brown into Jerry Rice and, uh, you know, party in party in Detroit. You're not going to be one of the winless teams. You can just be in just another another anonymous one or two win team or one and a half win team, whatever you decide to be. The Vikings on Thursday are three point favorites over Pittsburgh. If you want to bet the total at Bet MGM, it's at forty four and a half. What was your lean on Pittsburgh, Minnesota? Uh, initially Pittsburgh, but I kind of want to ask you where are you at on the Vikings because last week, before last week, I was very much that this is the good bad team in the NFL. I talked about that a lot, and it was a team I like backing. I, I was on them last week. Pretty much knew early on that was the wrong side because I just kind of believed in this Vikings team being value. Then you go and you talk about throwing up all over yourself. You you go, you're down 20 to 6 to the Lions. You Then even after you you pull that thing out of the fire, you let Jared Goff go all the way down the field on you. I, I don't know if this team is just cooked now. I, I don't know if I really want to back them again. I, if if you would have told me the Vikings pull out that win against, it's weird. Like, I mean, if they knock away that last pass against the Lions, I may be more inclined to say, hey, the Vikings are okay. They're fine, whatever. But now, five and seven, with everybody pretty much knows, hey, Zimmer might need to win out to keep his job. That That's kind of the atmosphere around this team now. I don't know. I'm, I'm more inclined to take the Steelers in the points just because they find ways. Tomlin's a great coach, kind of like Belichick. I mean, he's not in that tier maybe, but he is a great co- coach. I really believe that. 
they find ways to win. They found a way last week. They just seem like a team that you're always going to feel good if you're getting points with them. You don't want to give too many, but if you're getting points with them, I think you're always going to get a pretty good effort out of them. The good news is they may be underdogs the rest of the season. I don't think there's a game they're going to be favored from now until the end of the schedule. But you know, when Minnesota played San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, that was like the, the DVOA special, right? The two right. teams that are considered top 10 teams in metrics, but didn't have the one lost records to represent that. And when teams have those profiles, that means you've lost a lot of close games. You've lost a lot of strange games. And it just seems like the Vikings exist just to torture their fan base. Right. The, just the, the ways they win. And, and we have, we always, I feel like we're always having the same Kirk Cousins discussion, right? His stats right. are like Pro Bowl level. His stats are like borderline MVP candidate. And yet, why can't you really win anything with Kirk Cousins? Why did everything, see, and you, look, you can't blame him for the defense. He got the lead back. He played well in the second half against Minnesota. And even after the Thielen injury, man, Justin Jefferson, what I, what I wouldn't give to have him on the Patriots, man. Just a guy who, it, look, this idea that you know what the play is, you're going to stop it. I don't know how you stop Justin Jefferson. I, someday we need a documentary on how Jalen Rager was drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson. I need I need some accountability to that what a, just at, what a graceful, uh, competitive, uh, talented, smart everything everything you want in a receiver he is, and he's only in the second season. But I guess I can only take Pittsburgh. Minnesota just yeah. feels like a black cat team to me. And you know what? I mean, it's. It, we're both analytics guys. We both buy into it, but we're both, you know, we're not totally wed to the numbers every single time, but this is very unanalytical to say, but I think it's just some teams that's in their DNA where they can't close, they can't close close sure. games. And the Vikings are certainly in that group. I mean, we can sit here and talk about, oh, bad luck here, bad luck here, one play here, one play there. When it's happening to you every single week, every single season, then there's just something to it. It's coaching, it's quarterbacking. It's just something within your team that you can't get it done late in games. I like to believe that these things regress, but maybe with the Vikings, they just don't. And uh, yeah, I, I guess if you're right, I haven't looked at the rest of our schedule, but I do know it's pretty tough the rest of the way. If the Steelers are underdogs in every single game, I'll probably be on them more times than not. I think that they, they, they're going to give you a good effort. You know what you're getting out of them. Yeah, I have so much respect for Tomlin. We didn't even mention Cousins' record in primetime games. Maybe Kirk Cousins is the knockout reliever who has to pitch the seventh or the eighth. He just yeah, can't handle the ninth, anything. right? Yeah. There's some guys I, and I know people hate that too. Like, Oh, that that's a myth that no, it's true. Some guys can't handle the ninth. I mean, then maybe Kirk cousins can't handle the last two minutes. Although again, I don't think necessarily the end of this game was his fault, but they were still down 20 to six. You know, I mean, this is it just, it, again, when it happens week after week, there's just something, well, people, something handle, people handle pressure differently. I remember yeah. when I worked in the newspaper game, there was a guy who worked with me who was a wonderful editor but and and like layout designer, but he couldn't work on deadlines. So they would have him work on Sunday schedule you know, things, long term projects where he didn't have the clock beating down on him. Because if there was like a late NBA trade or something, the guy would kind of lose his composure. And so you had to find what he did well. Basically, he was pitching the sixth or the seventh inning rather than the ninth <laughs> inning. Yeah. And it's just you know some people some people can't drive in traffic. You know, I mean, there's, there's all and I know these are great athletes, but it doesn't mean that we respond to stress evenly. And I. I think that needs to be considered as on And again, we're analytics guys, but there's always going to be nuance. This is always going to be a human game. And we have to consider that as well. Let's go to the Sunday nighter. The Bears, um, has that guy gotten his poncho on or off? I'm not even sure what he was trying to do, but that was one of my favorite videos. Uh, the viral moments of week 13. Summing up the Matt Nagy era, I thought very appropriately. Now they go to Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers has pretty much stolen their lunch money for the last 78 seasons. Packers are huge favorites. You get a lay 12 and a half right now at BetMGM. It's a 44 
and a half total. Maybe Justin Fields will be available, although I, I would think why why expose him if you're not sure about that? My guess is they're probably playing possum on that. We won't see Fields. I don't like games with double-digit spreads. You know that. How do we handle the pack and the Bears? I mean, the one question I have, and I honestly have not seen a breakdown of this, was this not allowed to be flexed out? Like, uh, is there a reason this is a Sunday night game still in week 14? Because like, the, the NFL just considers it one of the, or NBC probably considers it one of the untouchable rivalries, I, I would think. I, I don't I don't get why we have a 12 and a half point spread when you can flex this out to a better game. But that said, there was a point spread involved. I got to take the Bears. It's almost out of principle. I mean, I, I don't like taking them, but 12 and a half is a pretty big number. Packers been great. Packers been great against the spread. We talk about the tax a lot. I think you're paying the tax here for a Packers team that's basically covered every spread since week one. I think they failed one time. Uh, I just it's too big of a number. That that's just I, sometimes sometimes this this stuff just comes down to that for me where I don't need to do a whole lot of analytical thinking about this. I just say you know what twelve and a half. I, I just got about a almost principle take the t underdog here. Yeah, this is their flexibly. They pay the other guys too, right? I mean the right. Bears have pride. They practice. They're going to show up. Another fascinating thing about this game for me is AJ Dillon. Now, look, I, I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to compare anybody to Jonathan Taylor, who with Derrick Henry Hurd is the best running back in the NFL. And uh, I'm glad I, I need a win and in fantasy game where I'm playing a team that has Taylor and Taylor doesn't play. And I just feel incredibly lucky that I landed on the non-Taylor week for that. Right. Hopefully I can take advantage of it. But when Jonathan Taylor came in the NFL, one of the knocks on him was like, well, can he catch the ball? I don't know if he can be a capable pass catcher. And guess what? He's great. He's terrific as a pass catcher. And the Colts are realizing that, and they're using him more in that fashion this year. A.J. Dillon, it was said, oh, B.C. never threw him. He's going to be a two-down back. You'll never be able to use him on third down. Your playbook will be cut in half. Uh, he's caught 27 to 29 targets. Doesn't make him Marshall really? Falk. Wow. Doesn't make him Marshall Falk. Doesn't make him LaDainian Tomlinson. Doesn't make him Jonathan Taylor even. But it's just interesting how sometimes players come in with labels of, oh, we can't do this. You'll, ne- you'll never be able to use them in this fashion. And then it gets blown up when they get in the pros. Because guess what? These guys get coached. These guys care about their craft. You know, I, I, I'm really excited about A.J. Dillon. I don't think it's a Zeke Pollard situation, but I wonder if that's like a 60-40 backfield for Green Bay the rest of the way, especially with, with Dillon's running style fitting into the weather we see now. It's going to be really interesting because I think – you see this sometimes, we're seeing it in Dallas, and I think we're seeing it in Green Bay, where I assume behind closed doors, the coaching staff and secret is like, A.J. Dillon's our best guy, what do we do? I'm sure the Cowboys are like, Tony Pollard's better than Zeke, how do we how do we do this? How do we figure this out? I, how do we tell Jerry that the guy he's paying $100 million to, we're not going to, he's going to be our backup running back? I mean, that's, so it would be very interesting on a stretch, and maybe it's just Aaron Jones more of a receiver, but they paid him a lot of money for that role. So yeah, I, I agree. A.J. Dillon's a heck of a player, and that's I mean, I, I'm glad for Aaron Jones to get paid. He's, he is a good player, but they shouldn't have paid him. They should have known what they had with A.J. Dillon and just patch it together after him. Yeah, man. I still wonder what Green Bay, what they frittered away by some of their odd personnel decisions. Where It felt like most the, the common person could see the right thing. And the, and the Packers, I don't know if they were stubborn or they didn't want to be told what to do. No, we don't need to add a receiver. No, we don't need to draft these odd positions that we already have filled. Or in the case of extending Jones, as you said, when when Dylan was probably ready to step in, you know, are they really going to close the book on the Rogers era and just think, man, we won two championships with what thirty years of Favre and Rogers? It just it's, it's astounding <laughs> it's to tough. me that the they, look. It's hard to win the NFL. It's hard to go to the Super Bowl and all that stuff. But the bag just feels so light with that team, and I, I it's hard to get wrap my arms around it sometimes. Anyway. Monday. Here's a good one on Monday. 
Rams, Cardinals. Uh, you you nailed the Rams last week. You you got me on the Rams side. You said, look, these guys are bullies. They play a team they're supposed to beat. They name the score. That's what they did against Jacksonville. Now they go to Arizona, uh, number one in the, in the Schwab power rankings, number one in the NFC. Kyler Murray looked healthy last week, was running proactively. Cardinals are a three-point favorite on Monday. The total is 52. Can the Rams hang with a real team? They can beat the bad teams. What can they do at Arizona? I, I got to keep going with this theme, right? Like the, the Rams are front runners uh, until proven otherwise. They're really, really good against bad teams. And against good teams, they're just not that. Uh, they're, I think they, they gained a win because the Colts are now over 500, which makes them 2-4 and four against teams over 500 this year. Uh, and then they're, I think, believe 7-0 and oh against teams that are under 500 or less. However, the math breaks down there. They're, they're basically... If you're a good team, the Rams are not going to be great against you. And if you're a bad team, look out because the Rams are going to blow you out. Well, the Cardinals are a really, really good team. There is not one reason in this world to not believe in the Arizona Cardinals right now. If you get rid of what you thought about them preseason, if you haven't already, if you're still thinking like, oh, this Cardinals team, I don't know. You just haven't been watching. They're really, really, really good. They're good in every way. Kyler's back and healthy. He looked good last week. There's a big game for them to basically put away the NFC West. So I think... Whatever you need out of Kyler this week as far as a runner, I think you're going to do that. You're not going to save him. I think this is one of your games of the season. I, I like the Cardinals a lot here. I think that just this this idea that the Rams are this great team, they might be. Uh, like you said, get into the tournament this year. Anything can happen. And maybe they're the Bucks and turn it on at the end. I, I just don't trust them against a good team. I, I, there's, there's not enough there that leads me to believe that this team can go in on the road and beat a Cardinals team, who, by the way, dominated them in L.A. Like, that wasn't a fluke. That was a, the Cardinals are the better team here. And I don't know how much has changed since then. I I just, this is pretty easy for me. I, I got the Cardinals all day, and I feel really, really good about it. I think the big thing for me, I was a late adopter to accepting how good the Cardinals were, and it was Kingsbury for me. I, I just didn't trust Kingsbury into the season, and I held on to my priors with that. And uh, he's done, I think his coaching chops have been, and again, coaching can be hard to develop, to evaluate sometimes because we're not on the bus. We're not in the meetings. We're not in the locker room, but this guy kept the ship afloat when Colt McCoy, 35 year old journeyman had to play. And that, that's not, by the way, not just Colt, not just Colt. It was DeAndre Hopkins was out. Chase Edmonds was out. Uh, JJ Watt was out. Like there was a lot of injuries and they went sure. and one. Absolutely. That, that kind of sold me. I was already kind of like, Hey, I got to let go of my cliff stuff. And then that three game stretch happened. And I'm like, this guy has a great case for NFL coach of the year. And it's legit. He sure does. Um, and, and I would say if they, if they did it by conference, I would give him the NFC vote. I'd give Belichick yeah. the AFC vote. And we'll see It's how they ultimately comes down. But so often a team that ends up with the number one seed, which Arizona is in place to get, it's like, oh, look at how injury-free they were. That's not the case. As you just listed a bunch of, you know, their most important players have been hurt. And uh, and then especially the quarterback and their, their marquee receiver, they've been able to do it. I have to play Arizona as well. Let's get to the Sunday games. Ravens-Browns, they played about 10 minutes ago. Let's do it again. Um, I don't know what's wrong with Lamar Jackson right now. I don't know Rashad Bateman. Man, he, he really looked good about two months ago. It looked like just what Baltimore needed maybe six weeks ago. Uh, he fell from a lot of mistakes he made on Sunday. He's not in the mix right now. Baltimore's got their collection of old running backs. And the last time we saw the Browns, I, I was screaming they were playing the wrong quarterback, that a hurt Baker Mayfield All wasn't right. as good as their backup, you know, I, I still think that's probably what I would do is, is I'd rather play Case Keenum, who's healthy, has Stefanski experience. The Browns are the favorite here at home, two and a half over at Bet MGM. It's a 42.5 total. 
What do you make? Not only do you, who do you like in this game, but how do you feel about rematches? Teams that just played. Do you ever? Is there a rule of thumb to that, or is it just kind of go matchup by matchup? Uh, talk me through the Browns and the Ravens. Yeah, for me, it's usually matchup by matchup. Like we just talked about Rams Cardinals, and that's a rematch. But the Cardinals are so dominant in the first meeting. I always wonder, can the Rams make that up? I mean, that was a big gap. Like, uh, just making a couple of adjustments isn't going to do that. Whereas Ravens-Browns was a very close game. Could have gone either way. But it also felt like, we talked about it, like the the Browns could have played 12 quarters and might not have scored 16 points. Like, their offense just looked dead. This line shocked me, to be honest with you. I get the Ravens' issues. Like, they haven't looked good. But... If Mark Andrews catches, let me rephrase that. Lamar Jackson makes a better pass to Mark Andrews because that was on Lamar. I didn't think that was a good pass. Everybody else was like, how does Mark Andrews not catch that? Well, it wasn't a good pass. That would have been a great catch. If if Lamar Lamar Jackson makes a better pass to Mark Andrews on that two-point conversion, is this this line a pick-em? Is it Ravens minus one? I I just, I don't get why the Browns are favored. What am I missing, Scott? Why are the Browns favored in this game? I, I get the Ravens' issues. But the Browns have issues, too. Like you said, they they might be playing the wrong quarterback right now. Their offense just, you know, unless Nick Chubb just goes just ham, I, their offense doesn't really move the ball. What am I missing here? Why are the Browns favored? I think you're hitting it with the outcome bias. I mean, I think Baltimore made the right call given their secondary injuries. Harbaugh didn't want overtime. And then they made the right play call because the play was successful. The, the pass was there. Andrews was open. Usually Jackson makes that throw. They've been a good two-point team this year anyway. They won a couple of games that way. They stole the Colts game because they were yep. so good at two-point conversions that day. So I, I think if Baltimore wins this game, this line is three or four, four points different. And as you said, what is Cleveland going to do? I mean, you can't trust Mayfield to win the game. And, and Chubb is going to be running into the one thing that Baltimore really does well on defense is stuff the run. They, right. Chubb was a non-factor in that game two weeks ago. So I, I feel like Baltimore is a coaching advantage. Both teams are flawed, but I feel like I like more things about Baltimore. The key for Baltimore is they can't have Jackson try to give the game away because he tried to give it away two weeks ago, and he made a lot of mistakes. You know, the, the end zone interception against Pittsburgh was really bad, and they really they have to feel like they gave one up. They they should be able to beat a Pittsburgh team. They didn't finish the job. They, they couldn't hold Roethlisberger back in the fourth quarter, which is kind of embarrassing right now. But I just believe in the Baltimore infrastructure more if they can just clean up some of those Jackson mistakes. Yeah, and I mean – Again, I, I just I saw the line and was confused by it because I, if you're going to tell me, well, it's because all the Ravens' issues. Well, okay, <laughs> the Browns have issues too. Like they, this is a team that's been quite disappointing this year. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get my head around why the Browns would be favored. Maybe that's just dumb of me. I can't. I can't come up with this obvious answer that everybody else has. But for me. I get all the Ravens' issues, I acknowledge them all, and I'll still be on the Ravens because I think the Browns have the same issues, and I don't think they deserve to be favored. I'll say one more thing about this game, and then we can move on. You know, usually two and a half points, you think, well, I'm picking the winner. I'm so convinced that's going to be a low-scoring game that I like starting with any, you know. Yeah, I think sure. you could, you could, that two and a half could bail you out. This yeah. could easily be a one- or two-point game. And also, they have Justin Tucker, which is a, such a big weapon when, when you're talking about a game where it might be a race to 17 points, it might be a race to... 14 points for all I know. So I think it'll be another rock fight between those two teams. The Raiders, a team that I get wrong almost every week, is traveling to Kansas City, a team that I've gotten wrong lately. It's been hard for me to figure out the Chiefs, right? Because their offense looks, I don't want to say broken, but it looks like there's a lot of things wrong with it right now. They haven't fixed it, but the team has turned things around because the defense is playing really well. They won kind of an ugly game against Denver. There was some flukiness in there. It was a pick six or turnover sloppiness. I feel like the Broncos won that, uh, lost that game more than the Chiefs did win it. 
This week, the Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites at home over the Raiders. The total is 48 and a half. My first thought is I just don't trust the Chiefs offense right now. It feels so strange saying that, that I want to take the points. But then again, I'm wrong on the Raiders all the time, and I'm never surprised when the Raiders don't show up either. Obviously, they've had a couple of very unusual things affect their season. So maybe it's just another case of, oh, Raiders started well, they finished poorly. There are excuses that are legitimate. This is not a game I'm going to bet on. Which way are you leaning Vegas, Casey? Yeah, not a game I'll bet on either. And we just talked about rematches, and this one just happened. And the Chiefs, the one time their offenses looked really, really good this year was against the Raiders in Las Vegas. And I think there might just be a matchup issue there that that they just aren't able to kind of tighten down on the Chiefs like other defenses have, like the Broncos did. I mean, I was on the Broncos. I think you were too. And it just felt like at the end of that game, like how did they not cover there? Really, like the pick six, the muff punt. Like they gave up, I think, two plays that were over 14 yards and were both were catches. One was by Darrell Williams. The other was by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They just got nothing going on offense. But I do think that the Raiders' defense is just not capable of, of holding on the Chiefs, maybe. It's a lot of points. I will bet on it. I I, I don't know. I still haven't really made up my mind here just because the spread is is about what I think it should be. I might end up on a Chiefs just figuring maybe this matchup is just bad for the Raiders, but it's a lot of points for a Chiefs team that really is not impressing me too much. You know, if you had told me that Patrick Mahomes had an unknown twin brother named Matthew Mahomes and he's <laughs> been playing the last five weeks, I'd believe. I, if you had said to me two months ago, Who's the signature player in the NFL? I'd be like, Patrick Mahomes, why are you even asking me this question? And it's not like I'm off the Mahomes bus or anything, but it's just so strange to watch him play like an ordinary player. And, and I, I know that speaks. Ordinary. The NFL is, is contextual. There's 11 guys on offense. There's play calling. There's a lot of moving parts to this thing. But I, I'm just still shocked that the Chiefs have such a pedestrian offense. It's really hard for me to reconcile that. Yeah, and they're not even taking shots anymore. I mean, that was kind of the whole deal. When you have Mahomes, when you have Tyreek, you're going to take shots down the field, even McCall Hardman or whoever. They don't even do that anymore. And Collinsworth pointed out on his broadcast, like, the Broncos aren't exactly playing too deep every down. They're they're playing a lot of single deep, and the Chiefs still aren't taking their shots. I just wonder if they're just, I, I don't know, they're just in a shell. They have no confidence. They just, they, they like you said the term broken, and you thought that might be wrong, but I think it might be right. Like, this offense might be broken. It's just, it's just not the offense we're used to seeing in this this whole thing of every single week of, oh, this is the week the Chiefs are going to get going. And this is the week the Chiefs, this is the week, this is the week. How often can you say that until you're just like, this is who they are? This is just not a very good offensive team. And somehow the defense has become really actually pretty good. I, it's it's weird to me, one of the weirder turns of the NFL season. Yeah, it almost reminds me of like, a, like in fantasy baseball when you have a pitcher and you know he's got a good past record. You know, his resume is good into the season. And in the middle of the year, his ERA is like 4-9. Like, well, I got to keep playing this guy. I know he's a good pitcher. And then at the end of the season, you hear, oh, yeah, you know, my elbow's been barking since May. I just didn't <laughs> tell anybody. I wonder if the end of the season, if the Chiefs are going to be like, oh, yeah, Tyreek Hill had this major lower body injury. Didn't tell anybody about it. Or yeah, they downplayed yeah. it. Or they, you know, basically lied about it. Or Travis Kelsey has been playing through like a bulging disc in his back or something. You know, again, wasn't disclosed. I wonder if things are going to come out. And sometimes that's excuses. Sometimes teams just want to let you know why things happen. But I wonder if there's just more to this story that we're not going to know until the season's over. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. All right. Well, talk about some of the better matchups in the NFL. We talked about the Packers and the Bears, just historically speaking. Washington and Dallas is one of the signature rivalries in the NFL. And that's one of Sunday's best games. The Cowboys are four-point favorites at D.C. Uh, the football team won four games in a row. They're back in the playoff hunt. The total is 47 and a half. 
talk about things I didn't see coming. I thought Washington was going to have a good defense this year. They did not have a good defense. Chase Young got hurt. And I thought, okay, man, now they're really sunk. <laughs> and have, they've rallied. I, look, I mean, you'd want Chase Young back if you could have him. But uh, hats off to Ron Rivera. I know they haven't maybe beaten the greatest teams in the world. But they're back in the playoff hunt. And, and Rivera's kept – they're kind of like the NFC's version of the Dolphins where Rivera kept a steady hand. The team didn't give up. They're not a perfect team on offense. You know, Heineke is a player who has good points and bad points. He's going to make a bad throw once in a while. It feels like their drives a lot of times need a lot of plays to get going. Logan Thomas, a big injury for them as well. But I think they can hang in with Dallas. What say you? Interesting. Because uh, both of us have this, like, preseason WFT bias. We both have a lot of future tickets on them. We both thought they were going to be good. And now here, all of a sudden, they are kind of good. But you look at really what they've done, and it's – this high wire act every week and they're, they're catching a lot of green lights to win these games, which is fine. I, a lot of teams in the NFL can't figure out how to win games like Minnesota where Washington's winning games. It's always this, you know, initial reaction is take the dog. A dog is playing pretty well. They're tough. They're sticking in games. They can, they can at least cover the four, but I'm not sure. I, I just think that maybe there's a game Heineke throws them out of the game. He had about, as I talked about this with Charles on Sunday night when we did our podcast, it seemed like every time I looked up, there were 25 different passes that were the Raiders had a chance to intercept. I, I'm exaggerating, but it seemed that way. So like every time I looked up at the screen, the Raiders had a shot at an interception and Heineke just, you know, it, somehow, some way only ended up with, I think, one interception or two. And uh, I just wonder if Dallas kind of does what they did to Taysom Hill and cashes those in a little bit. Maybe they run the ball a little bit better. Maybe finally the Chase Young injury comes back to to bite Washington a little bit. I'm leaning Cowboys. You could probably talk me into Washington by Sunday. It's a good line. It's an interesting line. I don't necessarily I look the, the running game for the Cowboys wasn't good last week, but New Orleans is a good defense. Like that that is a defense that can lock you up a little bit. I wonder if Zeke gets going with a couple extra days rest and Pollard, I think, is a good player. I, I just I don't know. I think you it might be one of those you feel good with the underdog until kickoff, and then you watch a little bit, and you're like, oh, God, this is just not going to work out. So right, yeah. I, I think First yeah. quarter, it's 17 yeah. nothing, and I'm texting you. I'm saying, why, why didn't you talk me out of Washington? Yeah, <laughs> why, it's like, Tyler Heineke's thrown two pick sixes already. What are we doing? Um, you know, Heineke, with him, I, I think the thing with him that the, – the kind of way to encapsulate him, he plays every down like it's fourth down. He plays every down like, okay, I'm going to throw in the coverage. This is fourth down. This is the ball game. You know, he, he never, there's no discretion in Taylor Heineke. He just, his hair is always on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, I like watching him and I think yeah. he's got some, something he's got some Me juice, too. but he's a dangerous quarterback. And in a game like this, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time. If I, if I'm going to take a team that's plus four, I got to believe they're going to win. Right. At least, you know, and the points might be the cushion. I don't know that they can win this game. I really don't. And if they do, my goodness, the NFC East is really, really interesting at that point. But and our t- future tickets would be alive. But I, I think I'll, I think I'll end up on the Cowboys here. It's, it's not a, a strong lean, but I think the Cowboys are, are probably the way I'm going to play this. Yeah, and Dallas comes in with the extra rest, of course. They, they played Thursday, yep. and maybe I have to get past that. It's just so fr- we talked about it earlier, so we don't need to really rehash it too much, but. I can just hear ACDCs, you know, listen to the money talk every time Zeke gets the ball. Ezekiel Elliott's still a quality player. He's just not as good as Tony Pollard. And to play to that contract is a, gro- is a gross mistake. This should be at least a 50-50. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying cut Zeke. I'm not saying put him on special teams. I mean, he's, he's got a role on this team. But they have underserved 
pollard all season and i think it's hurt yeah. the team and I, he I, should I, almost I, be the mark ingram to uh tony pollard's alvin kamara not that pollard's kamara but you get what i'm saying there mm-hmm. no again there's a role for both of these guys but it, they they have i think gotten the ratio wrong also to be fair with dallas they've had injuries on the offensive line at times they haven't had their full receiver complement i don't think just about all season gallup got hurt almost was the moment the season started think of how dangerous they could be when they get all their pieces going so maybe i'll flip on that and I may be on Dallas when I actually have to make decisions. Don't think I'll bet on that game, but looking forward to watching it. The 49ers, man, just when you want to be back in, they go to Seattle, find a way to lose that game. And then they play the Bengals, who are another team that's up and down. It's really hard to know who you're getting. So I think it's a difficult game to cap. Cincinnati is the home team, spotting one at BetMGM. Total is 47.5. This is an injury report game to me. I think we're going to have to really pay attention to practice reports. And if there's any trusted reporters who kind of give us information that we can use because there's two obviously huge injuries in this game one is Debo Samuel the the 49ers were in the same offense last week without him he's that good like he he has become that guy and strangely enough I thought they missed him in the running game because they just were a little you know Eli Mitchell just had a bad game against a mediocre Seattle defense I love Eli Mitchell but he wasn't playing well Debo could have given them a little little extra a little juice in the running game and he wasn't there they had nobody else I don't think I think George Kittle's the only other skill position guy he had a tech carry at one end around or something so they did really miss Debo if he's going to come back and play and be be healthy then that that obviously is something we got to consider and also the burrow injury look I mean we we sometimes we get in this thing where we ignore injuries because guys are playing. We're like, oh, well, Burrow's playing. Well, he's he's fine. No, maybe he's not fine. He dislocated his right pinky finger. And that's not going to be easy to throw with, especially at Cincinnati and what I assume is going to be a relatively chilly game, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I worry about that injury. Uh, they looked bad at times last week, although they, they had a shot until Mixon fumbled in the fourth quarter. But I think I'm leaning 49ers here, but it's a game I it's almost impossible for me to pick today without seeing injury information come out this week. Yeah, without knowing the level of comfort with Burrow, who is one tough son of a gun, man. He yeah, will hold oh, the yeah, ball. Yeah. He will hold the ball as long as he has to. He'll run if he needs to. He played through that injury. You could see how much pain he was in. The thing with the Bengals, though, that's really frustrating for me is that their highs are so high. You know, they went to Baltimore and beat the snot. I, every, look, everybody's flawed, but they beat the snot out of a Baltimore team. I crowned the Bengals, wrote all the sunshine I could about them, and they went and lost to the Jets. Right. They they played um, even before the Burrow injury. They looked like they'd never met before the first 20 minutes of that Chargers game. And the Chargers are another team like that. You never really know what you're getting. You know, Mike Williams has witnessed protection for five weeks, and then he looks like a pro bowler for two weeks. But So this is another game I don't think I can bet on. And you also mentioned Eli Mitchell, concussion protocol, sermons on IR, Jermichael Hasty, just a guy, Jeff Wilson, just a guy. We know Mike Shanahan, I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan and, and Mike Shanahan want to come at you with that with that power running, that zone blocking. But you know, who's the back here? And as you said, as crazy as it sounds, they really miss Debo in the running game. I you know, the 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 years that Debo and, and Cordero Passion have, have had, you know, these hybrid players who become just so much fun, the movable chess pieces are all over the formation. Even when they don't get the ball, you have to respect the ghost action and stuff like that. The Niners are not the same team if Kittle doesn't play and if Samuel doesn't play. And when they got those, both those guys back together, it was like, okay, here we go. The Niners can be really dangerous. If one of those guys is out, I just think you're looking at a totally different version of San Francisco and a team that if they make the playoffs, they'll be one and done. If they were fully healthy, I would really fear this Niners team. But right now they're not. 
The Bengals have a hurt quarterback. I just don't know how you'd want to throw money on a game like this. Yeah, really, really tough. Uh, maybe by the end of the week, like Joe Burrow will somehow prove to everybody he's totally fine, and I'll be like, "Oh, Bengals, okay." That that or Debo comes back and Burrow's walking around with one of those big bandages on his pinky, like Steve Deberg back in the day. You remember that, Scott? When Steve sure. Deberg played with like that huge, huge uh, cast on his right pinky because I think he broke it in like four places or something. I, I don't know what. I, it's just one of those games that it's tough to have an opinion on right now because these are two really, really key news stories we got to we got to track. So we talked about the New England Buffalo game at the top. What does Buffalo do after that emotional gut punch, knowing they, that game was winnable, didn't win it? Now they're seven and five. Now they're fighting for their playoff lives, and it doesn't get easier, man. They go to Tampa Bay, who had their way against the Falcons, as you kind of expect. You know, Brady. It's funny. I initially thought that Brady just took advantage of a soft Atlanta shell, and there were a lot of easy throws in that game. But there was a video. I was actually reading one of your articles. I think it was the the power rankings. And there's a video that Otto played that had Tom Brady's five hardest completions of that day. And it, it showed the chemistry he has with Evans, the chemistry he has with Godwin. Gronkowski is still playing at an extremely high level. If he was healthy all season, I think he'd be the Pro Bowl tight end. That's that's how good I think he's been. He of course, yeah. missed a lot of time. So the Buccaneers are three-point favorites here. It's a 52.5 total over Bed MGM. It's just hard for me to know what kind of, what bills we're going to get. What Where's their psyche at? Short week, on the road against one of the other NFL's really good teams. What do you think Buffalo does in this game? I said it I said it at the beginning of the show. I've said it weeks previous. I'll say it right now. Why are we giving the Bills a pass? Why do we view them as one of the elite teams in the NFL? And I think this point spread reflects that we view these this team as one of the elite teams. Only the Buccaneers, who are double-digit favorites just about every week, they're an over-and-valued team. Like, they really, really are. But they do cover spreads. The Buccaneers double digits every week and now they're minus three at home against the bills uh, coming off short rest like I, this is to me it's just another instance of the bills getting a little too much respect for what they've actually done this year what could what good wins do they have really like yeah okay you won at kansas city on the road um, all right i, I mean I, that is I, i'll give you that one i'm not even going to get into the chiefs issues what else what when other what other time have we looked at the buffalo bills unless they're just demolishing the texans or something and said, this is a Super Bowl team. And it just hasn't happened. Whereas, I watched this Buccaneers team, and I said, this is a Super Bowl team. I, I don't know if they're going to make it, because the NFC's got some really, really good teams. But you could tell. I'm like, yeah, the Buccaneers are elite. They're really, really good. I fade them a lot, because they're <laughs> they're always giving 12, 13, 14 points. But it's a good team, and they're playing really well. I don't really see any reason to take the Bills here. Maybe they come out, they win, they have, they have that talent, they have that ability. I'm not saying they don't. But I can't be compelled to take the Bills here. Why? What have the Bills done to deserve me saying, basically, yeah, they could beat the Buccaneers in Tampa? Why? I don't see any reason for that. They just haven't been that team this year. And probably one of the key X factors here, we didn't see it Monday night because it was a windy day and New England didn't want to throw. But the Bills don't have Tredavious White, their ace corner. Right. And now you're against Tampa who has you know, receivers coming out of its ears. I mean, they're so deep that they can lose Antonio Brown with that host of that and they don't even miss him. Because Godwin and Evans are just still playing at such a high level. Gronkowski's back. The Buffalo depth and talent w- without their best cornerback is going to, you know, a game with weather shouldn't be a problem. I, th- I think that's going to be an issue. So even though I do think McDermott's a good coach and I think that Buffalo will have an emotional response, I mean, I think they'll be ready to play. I, th- I think that it won't be a problem as far as any of those factors. I just think Tampa Bay's maybe get a little bit too much talent. I have to side with the Buccaneers as well. 
Now, now we go to the speed round. Now we talk about your teams that are probably going to be on the clock pretty early in the NFL draft. This is where some of your big spreads come along, your teams that are losing records, teams that have been eliminated for the playoff contention, all that good stuff. So, Frank, five more weeks of Urban Meyer, the way I see it. <laughs> I don't see how he comes back. He goes to Tennessee off their bye week. Ryan Tannehill throwing the, the guys who aren't owned and are managed and uh, rostered in your fantasy league. Titans are eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The total is 43-and-a-half not looking forward to watching this game. Probably not going to bet on it. What do you do with the Jags and the Titans? Uh, definitely will not have a penny on this one because you're either taking a Titans team that can't score and they're going to have to win by nine, or you're taking the Jaguars. Okay. Which of those sides do you want to be on for your Sunday afternoon? That does not sound enjoyable to me. I'll probably end up picking the Titans in our pool or whatever because just because I can't take this Jaguars team. And And please tell me why. When James Robinson fumbles or makes any mistake whatsoever, he goes to Siberia. And we see Carlos Hyde for two quarters. I get James Robinson was banged up last week, but it's just one of those like, hey, Urban, you're not in college anymore, man. Like, this isn't going to fly. Your best player is James Robinson. Quit quit jerking him around. Like, I, I just, eh, nothing about the Jaguars team is good to me. Uh, it, look, uh, the Titans aren't going to score more than 17, but that might be enough to get the money here, even get laying eight and a half. This is just a bad, bad football game. Urban, it's not even like he's a college coach. It's like he's a high school coach. He's like he's a power-hungry JV coach. Yeah. He's just show you. He's going to show you who's in charge here. I, I know that he really won over the management there and, and cons in his favor, and he stood behind Urban when when the thing with the bar went down and all that stuff. But they get to broom all these guys, and they get to start over, and they get to make a really, really good hire to get Trevor Lawrence's confidence back. He doesn't have it right now. And get somebody who can develop their players. They've gotten no development out of LaVisca Chenault, which is an indictment on them. How they've treated Robinson is, is I just think, a joke. And not only did they bench him for such a silly reason, but then they put him in ostensibly less than 100%. They put him in for all these garbage time carries last week. Right, yeah. You know, right. that, that's right. how you show you care about your player. Let's, let's yeah. expose him to, to further injury in a game that's already out of hand. I, I don't get it. I guess I'll I'll side with the Titans rested. Vrabel's a, a player I can a coach I can believe in, but uh, not a game I'm eager to to put real money on. What about the Saints and the Jets? You know, I thought the Saints might be plucky when they've pulled that upset win over Tampa Bay. Since then, all they've done is, is pretty much trip all over themselves. I know they had tons of injuries. I mean, they just don't have the offense they want. And Taysom Hill last week is fun for fantasy, 25, 26 points, even with the interception tax. But he threw the four picks. Dallas pretty much won that game handily. At what point does your defense collapse when they realize the offense is turning the ball over too much? The season isn't going anywhere. The Saints are six-point favorites on the road, however, because the Jets, of course, one of the worst teams in football. Zach Wilson's been a, a real treat to watch. 43-and-a-half is the total. Which way do you lean New Orleans Jets? You know, last week I ended up on a lot of uh, the big favorites, and it, it worked out for me pretty well because you just got the sense that at this point in the season, there's a few teams that are just like, we're done. We got nothing left. We're not competitive anymore. Back we're in. banged up. I mean, you look at every, except the Lions who were busting it to try to get their first win, right? Like I, I understood that one, but the rest of the teams that are in the bottom eight of the NFL or so, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Giants, the Bears, they all were just absolute no-shows. And I don't think it's going to get better in December. Like, yeah, some of these teams are going to cover here and there. I was on the Jets, actually. There was one of the teams I did have because I just was like, ah, Minshew, whatever. And they just stink. They're they're bad. And I think Taysom, the four picks were awful, obviously. But he did add something to that offense with his legs. They're going to have to play a certain way with him, but they can. And this Jets defense is really, really bad. 
Saints defense is pretty good. I don't know if Zach Wilson's moving the ball on them. I'll be on the Saints here. I feel pretty good about it. I really do because I just think the Jets are one of these teams that's just going to check out. And you know what? They've got enough wins. They're fine. They're they're it's just what motivation do they have when it's cold and it's there's really not a lot to play for. I think we're going to see a lot of these teams down the stretch get blown out, and the Jets will be one of them this week. So it's pack it in season is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's and that's look. I get it. I'm not trying to like whatever. It, it is what it is. But as a as a better, I think you got to be aware of it. If if you really are are an underdog, better. Okay, that's fine. But you're going to have a lot of afternoons where you're watching a Jaguars team that is like you know on their phones checking golf course uh, times for January. Like I mean, it's a, it's going to get bad these past last few weeks. I realize the Saints defense isn't perfect, and they've had moments where they've been exposed. But I have to feel like. Zach Wilson is good for a couple of turnovers in this yeah, game, and exactly. that's probably enough to swing me to the Saints side of things. Falcons still in the playoff hunt somehow. Panthers still in the playoff hunt somehow. Why didn't uh, NBC want this game? Falcons, Panthers. <laughs> Carolina's a three-point favorite. New offensive coordinator. Uh, I assume Cam Newton's going to play this week. The total is 43-and-a-half. Two frustrating teams, right? Because we, we, we yeah. saw a lot of excitement in these offenses. I, I don't know why the Falcons can't get Pitts going. I mean, I don't get it. Arthur Smith understands how to use Corderell Patterson, but doesn't understand how to use Kyle Pitts. I'll never understand that. It's frustrating to watch the Panthers. Robbie Anderson basically invisible. DJ Moore is being marginalized by the quarterback situation. The drop down from McCaffrey to Hubbard or Abdullah, whoever they play, is significant, of course. What's your lean on Atlanta, Carolina? Uh, The Joe Brady story is weird. I don't think we've heard the whole story. Let's put it that way. Uh, you fire a coordinator on Sunday of your bye week, really? Like, uh, in, you know, when there's a million college jobs open, by the way, there's something there's something more than just, hey, our offense wasn't good enough. But the Panthers are kind of becoming almost uh, – David Tepper, the Panthers owner, is almost becoming kind of a more likable Dan Snyder where everything is impulsive, everything is fly by the seat of your pants, and we're just going to try to fix it tomorrow with – throw more draft picks and money at it. And I don't know this. I'm getting some bad vibes as Panthers franchise going forward. And even this week, I'm not going to take them. Like, why would I? Like, I don't think the Falcons are good, but the Panthers, I think are in a really, really bad way. I don't really trust them. I don't think they're playing well. I don't, I think everything's kind of falling apart around them. And again, I don't like the Falcons at all, but I just, I couldn't take the Panthers here as a favorite. Can you? No, I have to lean Falcons too. Let me ask you, do you think, Matt Ryan will be in the Falcons next year. Do you think Matt Ryan should be on the Falcons next year? I think he will be and should be. I don't know. It depends. Look, there's something to be said about, hey, this guy's a franchise icon. We want him to retire a Falcon. There's something noble about that. I, I get it. Like, I, I think that's cool. But I think they should have traded him this past offseason, to be honest with you. I think they could have got a lot more for him. Once you trade Julio, just trade Matt Ryan, too. And I wrote right. about that in a preview. Reboot. Um, so I could see it either way. If you, if you wanted to trade Matt Ryan and say, this doesn't, hey, like the Von Miller trade. Hey, we'll, we'll see you in five years when we put your name in the ring of fame. Like, this doesn't do anything to our relationship. It's just time. I could see that fine. But look, Arthur Blank seems to want that guy to be a lifelong Falcon. And again, I think there's something cool and noble about that. And if that's the way they want to play it, I'm not going to bang on them too much. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, maybe their last season with a team, we've been talking a lot about this could be the swan song for Russell, Russell Wilson in Seattle, but they did beat the Niners last week. Wilson played better. I wouldn't say he played great, but he played better. And one of the interceptions wasn't even his fault. Everett you know, yeah. dropped a what should have been a touchdown pass. So now Seattle goes to Houston, which, again, they could cancel the season. Nobody would miss the Texans. Seattle's laying seven and a half on the road. 
Total is a scant 42.5. You may laugh at me. I'm happy we're seeing Davis Mills play. Why, why not? Why not? Right. Why not, I mean, your right. season's over. He's had a couple of moments. Uh, Terod Taylor's had a nice NFL career, but there's no upside there. At least let Mills play. You could be laying the wood with the Seahawks. Are you going to hold your nose and take the Texans? I mean, how many points did Texans score in this game? Give me a, give me a number, Scott. It's probably going to be too high for my liking, but give me a number. How many points did Texans score? I was thinking score? between 10 and 13 points. Yeah, I was thinking about seven. I mean, it's just this offense stinks. They're they're hard to watch. They really don't have many playmakers. Uh, at least the Seahawks are, are – they feel like they're alive. I don't think they are. I think Pete Carroll said we're not dead yet. Uh, we'll see, but at least they that that maybe the attitude in their locker room that their season isn't over. I couldn't take the Texans. Like, why? They're they just got beat thirty one zip. They show no signs of life whatsoever. Davis Mills is not if he ends. I think is it official? Is he definitely starting? I didn't see anything official. Yeah, I guess it's not. It's, maybe it's not one hundred percent confirmed yet. Okay, but but um, um, if he does, either way, it doesn't really matter. Like both of these quarterbacks are really kind of incapable of moving the ball. Uh, you know what I love in this game good. is you have the empty calories at running back, where it's like even if I guarantee you that adrian peterson or rex burkhead would get 15 touches do you have to play them for fantasy i don't think they're automatic start by the way the most pete carroll seahawks thing ever is adrian peterson averaging 1.45 yards per carry and still leading seahawks and carries like that's that's perfect that that makes so much sense of like we're establishing the run at one and a half yards a pop like that go for it pete way to go uh i think russell did look better and it's just this is the total fate of the texans i and I, every teaser in the world is going to have this game, and it should. There's a lot of games. Look, I just talked about that list of teams that, that's drawing dead. They're just packing it in. Tease the heck against them. I mean, any game, you can. You got the, the Titans tease down, the Saints tease down, the Seahawks tease down. Go for it, because I think you're going to end up just fine with the, betting against those teams the rest of the way. Well, I got a teaser like for you. How about the Lions? Okay, they're fresh off their win. They go to Denver, where the Broncos are spotting 7.5 points. The total is 41.5. Doesn't it just seem from the psych- – I'll do a little psychology today, handicapping, right? Detroit got their win. Yeah. The pressure's off. We're not going down as as one of the jokes of the NFL. We're just another bad team that can get lost in the sea of other bad teams. This just seems like an emotional letdown spot for me. I know the Broncos have all sorts of problems. Williams was cooking last week. Probably deserved a better fate than that game. There's a couple of you know fluky turnovers. I would think Denver lays the wood here. I'm going to have Denver minus the points, and I think if you're a tease player, Denver's very attractive as well. Um, maybe the best tease game on the board, unless you're really into the Saints. I mean, yeah, I think it, you hit it. Like, I look, I wouldn't absolutely shock me if the Lions came out with a good effort because Dan Campbell, for for all the the faults he's had, and there are there are, I'm not gonna say they're not. This team plays hard for him. They really sure do. do. Like they he he has that part of the game down. I think. But last week was their Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> you saw the celebration, and all deserved. These, you know, we we need to take a step back sometimes and remember how many hours these guys put in, how much work these guys put in every single week to try to win a football game. And when you're, it's December, and you haven't even had one good Monday morning. It's it's tough. And that celebration was totally justified. And I enjoyed seeing it. But I think that, again, that was our Super Bowl. How could you not let down? I, I, yeah, Broncos. Broncos minus seven and a half and easily give me them on a tease with whatever combination of drawing dead teams I just listed. A found game on the Sunday slate, Giants. Man, uh, can you tell me anything good about the Giants? Because I can't come up with anything. Nope. Jake Fromm may have to start. He wasn't even on the team until a couple of weeks ago. Going to L.A.? I don't, I don't know if the LA, if the L.A. stadium is going to be overrun with Giants fans, but the Chargers have no home field advantage. They come off a big win to Cincinnati. They're 10-point favorites. If you're into the total, it's 45.5. 
What's your lean, New York, LAC? I, I hate betting favorites. I really do. It's not it's not my mo. It's not what I enjoy. But I can't take the Giants. Well, how, you tell me. Like I, I know the Chargers don't have a great defense necessarily. Maybe not even a good defense, but. Jake Fromm or recently concussed Mike Glennon quarterback there. How many points? They, again, same question. How many points did they score? 10, seven, six. Like I, it's not going to take Justin Herbert too much to get over this number. Uh, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't justify taking the giants here. It's not a game I'm going to bet on, but I don't know how, I don't know how you could take giants plus 10 and feel good about it. The, this team might get blown out. It, I mean, this could, it, it's 42 to three. Would any of us be surprised? No, but I'll tell you why I'm leading giants. I don't hate the defense. And it would just be so charger of, oh, hey, we got to sure. win. We're back in it. We can win yeah. the AFC West. We have the Chiefs. Come, right, the look-ahead game with the Chiefs, right? Maybe they're caught looking ahead. They take the Giants for granted. And it's one of those games where it's like, you know, in the third quarter, it's like, why is this a 13-10 game? Why are the Chargers messing around? Why is Mike Williams in the witness protection program again? And was it just so nice to see Herbert letting it rip? You know, they got oh, conservative. Oh, he has Wow, yeah. And they were Keenan Allen this week, probably, right? Probably COVID protocol, so it sounds like Allen's probably out of the mix. I don't know what was going on with Eckler in the fumbles. He's never really had a – I mean, what, he lost two fumbles, and I think he had two other plays that could have been fumbles that were, you know, maybe his maybe his hip fell right at the right time. That yeah, was kind yeah, of unusual. Yeah. I just feel like the Chargers have not been emotionally and performance consistent enough that I can lay this amount of wood with them, even though, look, there's nothing about the Giants. Their defense is, is kind of pesky. But their offense is such a mess. It, it's sad to watch Barkley play right now. I take no joy in that. Their entire receiver room lives on the injury report. They're right. probably down to a third-string quarterback. Uh, these are all really bad things. I just think it would be very charger for them to take their great win, feel good about themselves, and then not validate success in the follow-up week. Yeah, you might be right about that. I mean, the Chargers are – it's tough to trust them It's t- in any situation because, yeah, you, you, we could see one of these games where it's like, Oh, Justin Herbert's thrown a pick six and they fumble the kickoff return and they missed three field goals. And I mean, that's just how the Chargers do every week. Conviction time. Uh, too long. Didn't listen. Uh, Frank, who are you pounding the table for? What games do you like the most as we look at this early slate? I mean, there's a few games I really like. I, I mean, a car- Cardinals for sure. Uh, I'll be on them. The Ravens, uh, probably money line, just because I can't figure out why the Browns are, are really favored here. I might end up with the Cowboys as a stronger play. I've almost talked myself into that. Buccaneers, for sure. I just don't see why, why do we trust the Bills at this point. The Saints, not even in a teaser, just give me the Saints minus six. And then all those teasers I talked about on teasers, I, I, this is probably going to be my biggest week for teasers. I might play three or four of them, just baiting these teams I think are drawing dead. Yeah, Arizona is uh, certainly a conviction play for me. Denver's going to be a strong tease. And yeah, may, maybe there's something, maybe the Browns will come up with something, but I could only take Baltimore in that game. There's no way you can convince me to pick Cleveland on any sheet. So uh, those are, those are some of the early conviction plays for me for more betting advice across all the various sports, because, you know, Frank, you need, you need MLS picks, you need WNBA, you need um, team handball squash. He's on all that stuff. You have to subscribe to the Yahoo Sportsbook daily podcast on your platform of choice. If you want to get social with us, you're more than welcome to do that. Yahoo Schwab will get you to Frank Scott underscore Pianowski will get you to me. And of course, for, all the Yahoo Fantasy stuff you need in your life, Yahoo Fantasy. No Stat Nerd Thursday this week. Uh, Matt Harmon will be back with TJ Hernandez tomorrow for a special Thursday edition of the DFS Preview Pod. We're very excited about that live final. Matt and TJ are sharp guys. you want to hang out for them. Until then, for Frank, for producer John, Scott, great cash, homie. Make some money this week. We'll talk to you soon. 